0: 847
1: is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's work, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. This is an episode topic that I had considered covering last year, but with the release of the new movie Prey on Hulu, it seems more appropriate now to take a listen to music for the Predator film series. Initially, my thought had been to cover both Alien and Predator franchises together, since there is a point of intersection between them via the two Alien vs. Predator movies. I set that idea aside um, as I ended up mentioning Alien and Aliens among the titles featured in my science fiction movie music series. So this still left the Predator series as fair game, to which I could devote an entire episode. What I'd like to attempt is to identify the themes and approach taken by composer Alan Silvestri for the 1987 original, how this model was followed quite closely in the sequels, and then how Prey charts new musical territory while only subtly tipping its hat to Silvestri. To begin, just in case anyone isn't already aware, Predator is a science fiction action hit from 1987, directed by John McTiernan and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose character named Dutch leads a special military commando team. The team finds more than they bargained for while on a secret mission in the jungles of Central America. The now famous and feared hunter from outer space, The Predator, was designed by the late great Stan Winston, and the film itself is highly regarded as a standout for 1980s action and the genre overall. For its score, Alan Silvestri was hired, as he and producer Joel Silver had actually met during a dubbing session on Back to the Future and wanted to collaborate since then. And though this was still early in his career, Silvestri had impressed the industry with his memorably uh, sonorous score for Back to the Future in 1985. That score did for Silvestri what the 1989 Batman did for Danny Elfman, in that it vaulted him to the A-list and earned him respect for competently composing a large orchestral score. Of course, this was at a time when that still mattered in Hollywood, but I digress. Between Back to the Future and Predator, Alan Silvestri had been mostly composing electronic scores, such as for Cat's Eye, Clan of the Cave Bear, Delta Force, and Flight of the Navigator. In terms of instrumentation, Predator returned him to the large orchestra setting, but he bolstered this with heavier percussion and the synclavier keyboard to add a synth edge in some of the cues. Thematically. The score for Predator uh, features four recurring themes and then several short motifs, making this one of the more multifaceted scores of his early career. So, let's dive into those themes, shall we? The most prominent and well-known is what is heard during the main title sequence, which is a determined, no-nonsense, slightly off-kilter military march for Schwarzenegger's Colonel Dutch, and his rough-and-tumble, highly-trained team. It is kicked off and propelled by a rapid, rhythmic six-note pattern, uh, plus a nervous rattle from the synclavier before the long-lined melody is spelled out by brass. So here is that main title theme for 1987's Predator, composed by Alan Silvestri. So this strident theme representing the mighty muscled commando unit is utilized again by Silvestri in various montage sequences later on, such as when the team is traversing through the jungle, when they're setting up traps for the Predator, and lastly when Dutch is preparing only himself for combat against the Predator. Now, this latter variation of the theme is heard here in the queue called Battle Plans. So again, this is some of Silvestri's music for 1987's The Predator. This is from the queue called Battle Plans, where you can hear that main theme being expressed again. In addition, director McTiernan himself decided to reuse the same main title recording during the assault on the guerrilla camp from earlier in the movie, instead of having Silvestri compose a new cue for this sequence. I'm not sure if this was in a, a situation where... They had agreed that there wouldn't be any music for that assault sequence, and McTiernan possibly changed his mind, or it was just too late in the production, uh, in the post production process, for Silvestri to come back and compose any new music for that assault sequence. So you'll basically just hear the same recording from the main title of that theme. As an aside, many of the cues, as written and recorded, are often sliced, diced, edited, and dropped around the film as if they were library tracks, but the music, like Schwarzenegger, is strong enough to withstand being knocked around in such a manner, and the music is always punching up every scene wonderfully. On the flip side of that manly main theme is a more reflective theme, uh, played by Muted Trumpet Uh, which is an instrumentation that keeps it feeling military, uh, like the closing call of taps. According to director McTiernan, this theme is meant to evoke Aaron Copland's concert piece, Fanfare for the Common Man. Apparently, he had even temp-tracked that into the movie. It's heard underscoring uh, the character uh, Mac, who, who is quite mournful as he stays watch over the body of his felled friend Blaine, and it is also used at the close of the film, accompanying a mythic shot of Dutch emerging unbeaten from the jungles. It seems to represent possibly a sense of duty in the face of certain sacrifice, but here is that reflective muted trumpet theme uh, from the queue called He's My Friend, That was the cue called He's My Friend from Alan Silvestri's score for Predator. This is the secondary theme for the commando team that is heard in the movie, but one that is more reflective and mournful, representing their sacrifices for each other in the line of duty. Now, for the Predator itself, there are two primary thematic applications, which both prove quite flexible throughout the score. First, there is the mysterious motif that opens the movie, and seems to represent the outer space origin of The Hunter, as it accompanies that first shot of the delivery spaceship over Earth. For an example of this short motif, uh, I'm going to present an unused cue from the score. Uh, It's a cue that was intended for one of the final scenes, but you'll hear this mysterious motif stated prominently on strings while supported by flutes. So this is the unused cue called the Rescue from Predator. So I had a thought recently that, in a way, this short motif for the Predator and its outer space origin um, sort of mirrors a recurring motif heard in John Williams' score for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a similar sort of rising uh, set of chords, but in Close Encounters it's expressed by choir instead of strings, and of course in Close Encounters it is used there, to express more of an aspirational feeling of outer space than dread. In researching this episode, I came across an old interview with Alan Silvestri. Uh, It was an interview between him and uh, journalist Randall Larson, where Silvestri himself described this motif as uh, representing the legend of the alien hunter. Um, And it's interesting because it is uh, expanded upon in this cue called The Waiting, which is a scene scene during which the character of Anna is explaining the ancient local folklore about the Predator and how it would hunt. Um, So this is the cue, the waiting, where we can again hear a variation of that opening mysterious motif for the Predator. The other major musical motif applied to the alien hunter descends in a portentous manner and unequivocally announces it as a bringer of death. This theme tips subtly its hat to the similarly foreboding, 800-year-old, medieval-era Gregorian chant, the Dies Irae. Now, the Dies Irae has long been a familiar staple throughout concert classical music and film music worlds as well, Dies Irae in Latin translates to the Day of Wrath, and once you can recognize it, you'll start to hear it everywhere. For instance, here's an example of the Dies Irae as referenced by composer Hector Berlioz in his 1830 concert work Symphony Fantastique. It is heard here interpreted uh, on low brass, low woodwinds, and tubular bells. Now if you can hold that theme in your mind as you hear Silvestri's tribute to the DS Ari with this four-note theme for the predator which is also expressed on low brass accented by bells. <laughs> you might also note that for counterpoint, the strings pick up that same descending line, but split it into quarter notes. Uh, This theme helps keep the Predator a constant threat in the movie, even when not seen on screen as much, and it receives several powerful interpretations, uh, such as when it and Dutch finally move towards their big confrontation in the third act. (laughs) Supplementing these competing sets of themes for The Commandos and The Predator are various all-purpose short, propulsive action ideas. It's important to understand that Alan Silvestri began his life in music during the 1970s as a rock and roll drummer, and this not only informs his choices in acoustic and electronic percussion, but also his sense of tempo and pace overall in his scores. Predator could be considered his initial orchestral action score, as the year prior saw him score the Chuck Norris-led action movie Delta Force, but in an all-electronic fashion. And then what about the all-orchestral Back to the Future, you might think? Well, I feel that that could be classified as more of an optimistic, major-key piece of adventure scoring, rather than action. In Predator, the action cues often have a tempo, a quick tempo akin to a rapid heartbeat, as when one is being chased, and this is often expressed on strings, brass, and low-end piano. Uh, This is a very quick tempo component of most all Alan Silvestri scores, even this early in his career, as you can hear in this example uh, from the second half of the cue, Billy Stands Alone. (laughs) That was an example of the propulsive action ideas that Silvestri would employ throughout the score for Predator. Now, following the explosive climax of the movie, the score as heard actually wraps up with cues tracked from earlier. That would be the mournful solo muted trumpet theme, followed by the main title March, of course, both representing the commando team and Dutch. Now, when Predator was released in 1987, It was during an era when soundtrack albums with scores recorded in LA were much more expensive to license and produce. Therefore it was not a foregone conclusion uh, that a soundtrack would accompany every movie. Predator fell into this abyss of big movies with no score album release. Thus it was frustrating that fervent soundtrack fans had to wait around maybe 15 years until an official CD appeared on the Rez Cereban label as a limited edition. Thankfully, it has subsequently been reissued by Entrada Records. It was during the 1980s when sequels became much more prominent, especially when many of them were performing better than the original installments. In decades past, Hollywood often saw sequels as a bit of an embarrassment, Uh, But if we're looking at just the action genre movies in the 1980s, uh, movies such as Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and Lethal Weapon 2 all rallied bigger audiences than the initial entries in their respective series. Predator 2 arrived in 1990 and migrated the story's locale from Central America to downtown Los Angeles. There were changes in cast and crew. For instance, the director here is Australian Stephen Hopkins, while the lead character is LA detective Mike Harrigan, as played by noted actor Danny Glover. Glover was fresh off of Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 and the color purple from the previous few years. Thankfully, composer Alan Silvestri was asked to return, and he brought with him most of the thematic material from the first score. Some orchestration and instrumentation differences can be noticed, however. First, the orchestra itself is different, as instead of being recorded at Fox with LA-based session players, the Predator 2 score was recorded at Lucasfilm's Skywalker Sound in Marin County with a freelance group of players called the Skywalker Symphony. Silvestri also beefed up this band with an incredible array of exotic percussion instruments, mostly South American in origin, and there was a greater support in moody ambience and strange sampled vocalizations from the synth element from the synclavier. Lastly, Silvestri had the bassoon player invent a new instrument. This was called the hozoon, as it was a homemade derivation of the bassoon, but instead was a garden hose played with the reed from a bassoon, hence the name hozoon. A compelling example of all of these elements being employed wonderfully together is in the cue called Truly Dead, which showcases a new theme Silvestri composed for the sequel. It's an ominous and funereal piece, underscoring the death of the eccentric character King Willy. The percussion is relentless, buoyed by male choir and the wailing strangulations of the Hozoon. The original ds Irae Predator theme plays in counterpoint during the final minute or so, so again this is part of the cue called Truly Dead from Alan Silvestri's score for Predator 2. So this new theme that Sylvester composed for Predator 2 returns again during the final confrontation between Harrigan and the Predator, uh, accentuating the discovery of the latter's trophy room, and is also included in the end credits suite for the movie. In terms of the returning themes from the 1987 original, the reflective solo trumpet melody underscores a somewhat similar scene of the remembrance of a character killed in the line of duty by the Predator. The main military march theme also reappears frequently, sometimes just as the six note percussion pattern, and other times with the melody on low brass. What I find interesting, though, is to whom Alan Silvestri applies this determined main march theme. In 1987's Predator, this theme, in all its permutations, represents the movie's heroic team of commandos, of course led by Dutch. In Predator 2, Silvestri doesn't apply this theme to the sequel's team of heroes, Mike Harrigan and his fellow detectives, but instead it's applied to the shadowy, ungoverned, black ops unit out to capture the Predator. This team is led by the unpredictable Gary Busey and represents almost a chaotic neutral in the movie's overall dynamic. Granted, at one time early in the film's production, the script did include Schwarzenegger's character of Dutch in charge of this same team. So having the theme follow him into the sequel makes perfect sense, but the way things turned out, it's like the theme switch sides between movies. I can understand that using this theme to underscore LAPD detectives would probably feel heavy handed, but this actually leaves the movie's protagonists without any theme of their own. What we have here is a score where all the bad guys receive specific musical identities, but not the good guys, leaving us sort of without a sense of triumph even as Harrigan emerges victorious. Although I must say that the performance of the main title Predator March heard at the close of this sequel is absolutely the most rousing version yet. Here, we reach a years-long pause in the Predator series. Due to Predator 2 underperforming at the box office, Fox decided to shelve the Alien Hunter. The prospect of a third solo Predator movie dimmed, but another idea that instead began to build appeal was that of a face-off between it and another Fox property similarly experiencing low-tide moment of relevance, Alien. Borrowed from a long-running comic book series and video game incarnation, 2004's Alien vs. Predator was the next occasion in which the Predator runs loose on the big screen. Now, one could make a case either way for even including both AVP and its sequel in this episode, but I decided to still give them attention. Yes, there was a divisive fan response to these, and they seem to kind of exist outside of established canon, in both Alien and Predator film series respectively, but there is still some comic book level fun to be had here. Alien vs. Predator, or AVP, from 2004 was written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and starred Sanaa Lathan. The story centers on the discovery of an ancient pyramid buried under the ice in Antarctica, and how it acts as a breeding ground and hunting maze between the xenomorphs from Alien and the Predator Hunters. Even prior to the historical setting of this year's Prey, AVP posits the Predator as a visiting presence on Earth for thousands of years. In terms of music, the score was composed by Harold Klosser, an Austrian composer who also has experience as a producer and a screenwriter. This film, along with A Day After Tomorrow from the same year, briefly brought closer into the Hollywood spotlight. I I guess you could say it brought closer closer into the Hollywood spotlight? That's a terrible pun. I'm sorry everybody. (laughs) So, Harold Klosser's score for AVP is of the large-scale orchestral variety, and it uh, features a slow almost reverential feeling to its main theme, which is a very long-lined main theme. Uh, voiced by strings and brass. And then there are some electronic elements bubbling up here and there. This main theme seems to express the awe and worship of the Predators by the ancient cultures uh, that are displayed in a montage sequence. The action cues are propelled by big drums, low brass, and shrieking woodwinds, but the score doesn't really have the unique personality heard in those composed by Alan Savestri for Predator, or the Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner, or Elliot Goldenthal scores uh, for the preceding Alien films. But here is the main theme for 2004's Alien vs. Predator, as composed by Harold Klosser. That was the main theme composed by Harold Klosser for Alien vs. Predator from 2004. So amongst Klosser's score are no real overt references to material from the previous Alien or Predator film scores, which musically keeps AVP feeling somewhat outside of what preceded it. This certainly was intentional, uh, as it allowed the filmmakers some narrative freedom, Uh, And admittedly, it would be difficult to pay musical tribute to the Alien series, since it never even had a consistent composer or a main theme. Referencing Alan Silvestri's Predator theme would have been more available, but maybe that would have caused this film to feel more like the third installment in that specific solo series as opposed to the first entry in a new monster mashup series. AVP made quite a splash at the box office, and so three years later, in 2007, the sequel was birthed, AVP Requiem. Written by Shane Salermo and directed by the brothers Strauss, the plot here directly follows its predecessor and has the departing Predator spaceship crash land in Colorado. Since the locale shifts from the remote Antarctica to any town America, it means that the sequel abandoned the mythic ambition of AVP and instead plays more like a horror movie in your own backyard. The results were decidedly mixed, both commercially and critically. The music for AVP Requiem was composed by Brian Tyler, who, alongside Michael G. Quino, has proven to be a very popular choice for scoring blockbusters during the last 15 years or so. Brian Tyler has worked on Uh, Movies in the uh, MCU, the Marvel Universe, Fast and the Furious movies, uh, the last two Rambo films, and uh, all of the movies in the Expendables trilogy. Brian Tyler is an admitted soundtrack fan himself and noted at the time of AVP Requiem how excited he was to provide music for the same movie monsters as his film music heroes, Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner, and Alan Silvestri. Tyler provided a furious, angry, and dissonant orchestral score that is nearly constantly dialed up to 11. As an example of this orchestral onslaught, here is the track called Requiem from Brian Tyler's score for 2007's AVP Requiem. That was the cue called Requiem, composed by Brian Tyler, for the Alien vs. Predator sequel of the same subtitle. Now, as with the first Alien vs. Predator score, there are not really any overt quotations or references uh, from the scores for the previous Alien and Predator movies. Although, Tyler does attempt to evoke them through specific chord progressions and cadences and also instrumentation choices. This is all still accomplished through Tyler's own style of composition, but there are moments when the strings will swell in a manner that recall the music of James Horner. And to evoke Alan Silvestri's work on Predator, Tyler included bongos in the percussion section to sort of add a jungle flavor, and also military snare drums uh, that recalled the main march theme. In this cue called Predator Arrival, see if you can detect how its closing moments attempt to mirror that main commando theme from Predator. Funny enough, though, the production on uh, AVP Requiem wound up licensing two cues directly from the original 1987 Predator score. So, you will hear actual Alan Silvestri music in the AVP sequel, but it's more akin to needle drops than something incorporated organically into Tyler's own score. Following the muted response to AVP Requiem, The series reached another pause as interest and enthusiasm for the monster mashups waned and Fox tried to figure out a way to return to solo Predator features. The answer arrived via a script submitted in 1994, written by fiercely indie writer-slash-director-slash-producer-slash-editor-slash-cinematographer Robert Rodriguez during pre-production on his own epic action film, Desperado. Rodriguez had recently emerged, uh, this is back in the early 90s, as a commercial and critical favorite following the low-budget hit El Mariachi in 1992. While prepping to shoot the El Mariachi sequel, Desperado, Robert Rodriguez developed a Predator feature more directly linked to the original, as it included the return of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character of Dutch, as well as occurring on a safari planet to which abducted game from around the galaxy were placed and hunted. Fox shelved the script back then for being considered too expensive, and also Schwarzenegger again declined to return to the series. So the studio dusted off the script in 2009, and decided that this was now the path to follow to revitalize the franchise. While Rodriguez was hired to produce and update his story, the resulting picture, titled Predators, was directed by Hungarian Nimrod Antal, with a screenplay by Alex Litval and Michael Finch. The eclectic cast includes Adrian Brody, Lawrence Fishburne, and Danny Trejo, and the music is composed by John Debney, Debney is a composer who had collaborated previously with Robert Rodriguez on his own directorial features, Spy Kids 1 and 2. Because the goal with this installment was for it to look and feel closely connected to the McTiernan-directed original, Debney was allowed to hew closely to Alan Silvestri's musical motifs and his compositional style overall. Much like Don Davis's work, on Jurassic Park 3 with crafting a new score that both referenced John Williams' themes outright and also Williams' overall style and approach. In Predators, John Debney skillfully incorporated Silvestri's themes, motifs, and instrumentation, and also composed a score that kind of has the sound of a Silvestri score from that 80s-90s era. Listen to this bristling action cue called Predator Attack and tell me that it doesn't sound as if Alan Silvestri himself returned for a third time to the series, especially as we hear the Predator theme and the Commando March themes musically battle it out. that was the cue called Predator Attack from 2010's Predators, composed by John Debney. And yes, that was a searing electric guitar that you heard there, uh, as it's a color that Debney threads throughout this score to surprisingly great effect. For another example of Debney incorporating Silvestri's uh, original Predator material, we have the cue called Hanzo's Last Stand. In this cue, Debney presents the Predator DS-Ire theme, combined with Shakuhachai blasts, which basically represent the character of Yakuza Enforcer Hanzo in his sword duel uh, with one of the Predator Hunters. So here's a bit of that cue, Hanzo's Last Stand, where you will hear Alan Silvestri's main Predator theme. Blu-ray commentary by Robert Rodriguez and director Antal, they actually call out composer John Debney during this sequence, and they mention how exciting it was that Debney was able to pull from the Fox library the original charts and the original score sheets from Silvestri's scores, and they don't specify whether it was from the original Predator in 87 or Predator 2 in 1990. But, they mention how wonderful it was that Debney could refer to the original score sheets to bring that level of authenticity to his score for Predators. And for one more example of how well Debney imbues the score here with a feeling of Silvestri, I wanted to present this cue from later in the film called She's Paralyzed. Um, and it's a cue in which Debony shifts marvelously between his own suspense material and Silvestri's Predator action motifs. You'll even hear that indelible death rattle sample that was produced by the Sinclavier Keyboard. For time purposes... Since it's a lengthy cue, I'm going to present an edited version of this cue. But again, this is the cue called She's Paralyzed, composed by John Debney, with material from Alan Silvestri for Predators from 2010. That was one of composer John Debney's climactic cues for Predators in which he skillfully melds Alan Silvestri's original themes and motifs with his own variations while also layering in electric guitar for a bit of grunge. While this installment performed decently internationally, earning triple its tidy $40 million budget, Predators didn't garner enough of a return for Fox to fast track another. So once again, the series enters a hibernation phase. This particular phase continued until 2014, when writer-director Shane Black was hired by Fox to contribute the next sequel, which was initially an attempt at a reimagining, yet ends up connecting to not only the previous Predator features, but also Alien vs. Predator. Shane Black has been a go-to action screenwriter in Hollywood for decades, all the way back to the original Lethal Weapon in 1987, its first sequel, and subsequently The Last Boy Scout and The Long Kiss Goodnight. His work as a director includes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005 and Iron Man 3 in 2013, But it has to be mentioned that Black also played a supporting role in the original Predator as the character of Hawkins uh, while he was spicing up the script on set. Titled The Predator, the 2018 release follows these ex-soldiers, scientists, and a secret government military force going up against both the classic versions of the alien hunter and also enhanced giant super predators. The story attempts to explain why Earth is a preferred destination and the purpose of hunting humans. As with Robert Rodriguez's entry, the stated goal here was again to echo the feel of the original and again the production tried and failed to woo Arnold Schwarzenegger back as Dutch. But musically, at least they still paid great homage to Alan Silvestri. The composer for The Predator is classically trained Englishman Henry Jackman, who advanced from assisting Hans Zimmer to winning solo credits on films such as X-Men First Class, Wreck-It Ralph, Captain America The Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War, along with Kong Skull Island. In a 2018 interview with Pop Disciple, Jackman gushed about his love of Alan Silvestri's score for Predator, how it fascinated him, and how, as with John Debney before him, he insisted on incorporating the themes and motifs to capture the same spirit. However, Henry Jackman went a step further and contributed a surprisingly rousing, brassy, major key new theme, something he called the Half Dirty Dozen theme, as it underscores the team of misfit ex-soldiers that are pulled into the chaos. Here is its first complete presentation uh, from late in the movie in a queue called Team McKenna. So again, this is music composed by Henry Jackman for the 2018 film The Predator. (music) That was the cue called Team McKenna from 2018's The Predator, a theme composed by Henry Jackman, which grants a real feeling of triumph, actually, towards the finale of the film. In addition to this new theme, Jackman also adds a rather flexible, circular, secondary theme, uh, which is attributed to the genius-level kid character named Rory. And it's a theme that can be heard in a very fragile piano rendition early on, uh, then in these nervously shifting string passages and French horn statements. So check out these two cues for this secondary theme from The Predator. These are two cues, uh, one called Rory and one called Alien Abduction. Again, this is music by Henry Jackman for The Predator. Those were the cues Rory and Alien Abduction, from Henry Jackman's score for The Predator from 2018, showcasing more of the new thematic material that he introduced, supplementing the existing Alan Silvestri material. There was also a brief quote on trumpet heard there of the Team McKenna melody, which is a great tease into this last cue that I want to present, a cue called The Last Stand. This is a cue which features some really triumphant expressions of the Team McKenna theme, which at times sounds as if it could come from an Avengers movie. Here is the cue called The Last Stand, it's composed by Henry Jackman. Like I said, it's a surprisingly rousing finish for a Predator movie, but it's pretty neat that Jackman brought this to a series in which the music is often quite grim. As with the John Debney score for Predators, Henry Jackman does also spend imaginative variations on Alan Silvestri's themes and motifs, from the DS Irae Predator theme and pulse-pounding action beats to the main title March theme. In an interesting bit of continuity, this installment of the series ties back to the secret Black Ops government team from Predator 2, which had been led by Gary Busey's character Peter Keyes. Busey's son in real life, Jake, is cast here in the Predator as the elder Keyes' offspring, and Sterling K. Brown is now in charge of this secret government team. Rather appropriately, Henry Jackman follows Alan Silvestri's approach in scoring Predator 2 and also assigns the main title march to this dangerous, single-minded, secret government group still bent on capturing Predators. 2018's The Predator earned more at the box office than the previous entry from 2010, yet had cost twice as much to produce. In addition, the overall positive critical response to Robert Rodriguez's installment was nowhere to be found for Shane Black's, which experienced some dismal reviews. And so, with another four-year hiatus, here's when we reach the latest entry in this series, the one that has basically broken the mold for what fans and audiences thought they could expect from a Predator movie. Pre, released on the streaming service Hulu in August of this year, was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, with a story by Trachtenberg and Patrick Ason. It features a cast of indigenous and First Nations actors, while the music is composed by Sarah Schachner, both of these being trendsetting choices for the genre and the industry overall. Who could have imagined that a Predator film be driven by a personal coming-of-age story of a young Comanche woman who is eager to prove herself to the tribe. The film eschews almost every expected aspect of the long-running series, including winding back its setting from present day to North America of the 18th century. When considered alongside surprising entries in other long-running film series, Prey is akin to 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service and 2006's Casino Royale for James Bond, 2005's Batman Begins, Rise of the Planet of the Apes from 2011, and perhaps Wes Craven's New Nightmare, as these are the films that bucked the recurring trends and tropes of their respective series. In Prey, Amber Midthunder portrays young Naru, who yearns to be a hunter like her brother Tabe, and takes it upon herself to investigate mysterious occurrences seen in the sky. This is an adventure that brings her into conflict with a visiting hunter from outer space. With this movie being a more small-scaled emotional period piece, composer Sarah Shackner responded with a score to match, winnowed down to strings, native percussion and wind instruments, and several solo vocalists. With such a small ensemble, this results in a more raw and intimate feel to each music cue, where you can discern each instrumental voice that's happening in the musical dialogue. For an example of this approach, here is the cue called Cruel Delight, again this is music composed by Sarah Schachner, for Prey from 2022. That was the cue called Cruel Delight from Sarah Shackner's score for Prey from 2022. Now, to accompany the young Naru on her journey throughout the film, Shackner wrote a wonderfully open and yearning theme, a theme that itself seems to strive for grander expressions. It is heard several times in the score, but its lengthiest expression is heard in the cue called Naru's Way, which I will present here. Again, this is the cue called Naru's Way from Sarah Shackner's score for Prey. I found it interesting to learn that writer-director Dan Trachtenberg originated this concept back in 2016, and it was actually put into development during the production of Shane Black's Predator feature. And then to help advise and consult on the historical accuracy representative of the film's time period, the producer Jane Meyer's own Comanche heritage was invaluable. For the music... Director Trachtenberg had been impressed with Sarah Shackner's score for the video game Assassin's Creed and sought her out. Prior to scoring several video game series, um, in addition to Assassin's Creed, uh, she also scored Call of Duty and Far Cry. Shackner studied at the Berklee College of Music in Boston and is proficient at all manner of stringed instruments, including violin, viola, and cello. Shackner's score for Prey, like the film itself, is often quite the antithesis of the music composed previously for the Predator series, which, as we've heard today, is front-loaded with large orchestral acrobatics, brass-led themes, and hosuns. Texturally, though, you could draw some comparisons to uh, 1987's original orchestral score as thanks to its transparent orchestrations, There are similar moments for solo instruments to be heard clearly, so that the intimate musical dialogue is discernible there as it is in Prey. But outright references to Silvestri are minimal, other than a raw, scraping string interpretation of the rapid six-note rhythm figure that kicks off the Predator main title. See if you can hear it right here at the start of this cue called Predator Instinct. That was the cue called Predator Instinct from 2022's Prey, music composed by Sarah Shackner. In comparison to all the score selections that we've listened to thus far today, it's evident that this is a unique installment in the long-running Predator series, one that changes the game and opens up the field for what stories can be considered here. I think it shows that there is more flexibility available with this concept than previously imagined. Whether we're talking James Bond, Batman, Freddy Krueger, or Godzilla, it can be difficult for a seventh feature to offer up an imaginative take. And yet, even with following four solo films and two monster mashups, Prey has an unencumbered freshness and vitality, which is not too dissimilar to when in 1987 we watched that first camouflaged predator stalk the hulking Arnold Schwarzenegger to ultimately its own fiery demise. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. Joining me as I explore the music for the Predator film franchise... Hopefully you found it engaging and enlightening. And if you're at all curious as to how I might personally rank all the Predator movies, I don't really have a solid response, uh, since I'm not very good at ranking favorites. However, I can reveal that I only ever watched Aliens vs. Predator Requiem once, and have never felt inclined to revisit it, unlike all the others, so that might be revealing. Music heard in this episode was from the following. Predator and Predator 2, composed by Alan Silvestri. Alien vs. Predator, by Harold Klosser. Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, composed by Brian Tyler. Predators, by John Debney. The Predator, composed by Henry Jackman. And Prey, composed by Sarah Shackner. Also, there were excerpts from Symphony Fantastique, Opus 14, composed by Hector Berlioz. Fanfare for the Common Man by Aaron Copeland and Close Encounters of the Third Kind by John Williams. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at a score to settle podcast at gmail.com, find the blog at a score on Facebook at facebook.com a score to settle, and on Twitter at score to settle pod. That's score the number two settle pod if you listen to the show by way of itunes feel free to leave a rating and review i always appreciate that and the podcast is still available on spotify as well thanks again for listening